Okay, cool. We're live. Okay. All right. Um. So today we have David Searle, my my dad. who have been with me since I've been three. So he's a uh, astronomer, a um, board certified pharmacist, right? Yes. And an ex employee of Pfizer. Correct. Okay. So you want to? I want to hear about that show you were talking about real quick. Um. On Netflix. Oh, yeah. So uh, Ronnie Howard's executive producer of a, a new a limited series on Netflix called Disappearance at the Cecil Hotel. And it's about the 2013 disappearance of, of uh, Elisa Lamb, who was a 21-year-old female from Canada coming to California to check out the scene and get away from Canada for a little while an adventure. Uh, she ended up disappearing. Um, the last scene of her from the hotel video is a strange video inside this elevator. It looked like she was possessed almost. And they finally found her three weeks later floating in one of the water tanks on top of the hotel. Uh, after people in the hotel were complaining about the water smelling bad and looking brownish and having low pressure. Yeah, that was, um, in, that was in L.A., right? It was in Los Angeles in 2013. Yeah, I remember hearing that people were drinking the water, saying the water yeah. was like sweet or something. Yeah, it was Swedish and uh, sweetish, not Swedish. Because it, um, <laughs> it was kind of, you know, it was, it was an interesting place. It was built back in the early 20s, uh, ended up being almost in the middle of Skid Row, dangerous place to be. Uh, a lot of flop house people living in there, um, plus travelers wanting to get a room for you know, three bucks, four bucks a night. So someone um, someone killed her and threw her in there or? They don't, well, right now I haven't finished the series. So I don't know if it was, I mean, she would have had to go out of the, the hotel on the 14th floor, climb out on the fire escape, climb up a metal ladder attached to the side of the roof up to the rooftop, climb up another ladder to go up the tank, open the lid of the tank and drop in if she was doing it to herself. Well, and if someone did it, I mean, how the hell would they yeah. get, her, get her up there? Good, you know what I mean? Uh, excellent question. Don't know the answer yet. That's the suspense part. They'll have to watch it to see. Robbie, what would you do if you were, if you drank water and you you found out it was from like a sweet from a dead body? <laughs> Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you do? You can never like drink water ever again. <laughs> There's this yeah, one woman. Seriously, man. Like. Yeah, this this one woman heard her husband from uh, traveling and visiting uh, from England said she'll be traumatized for the rest of her life now from this whole experience. It's just was horrid. Uh, You gotta you gotta release your inner savage and just be like, yeah, I I drank human human filtered water. Like exactly nasty, nasty. Uh, (laughs) so yeah, uh, I don't uh, know. Well, you probably see some that's, cra- that's crazy. Sh- you, I mean, you see some crazy shit being a paramedic, bro. So, I mean, you, uh, how, yeah, do you, how do you? I don't get, imagine drinking it after. How do you? How do you get past the <laughs> mental? <laughs> how do you get past the mental aspects of seeing someone with their freaking head split open, or like you know, like all the crazy stuff you see? Like, how do you? How do you get uh, past you that? You get used to. It. You get used to it, dude. To be honest with you, you really do. Uh, the things you don't get used to are, like I said, the kid calls. You know, that those are always the worst but i mean you know it's last shift i mean i saw you just, two dead bodies so you just block it out 
or just just yeah, become numb to it. Ugh. Yeah, you know, you figure. Dude, you look at like you look at the paper, right? They give you a piece of paper when you go to the hospital, and they I was like, and like I looked at it, and I was like, I told the I told my this girl I was working with, I was like, hey, I was like, our name's gonna be on one of these papers one day. <laughs> wow, because the guy, his name was Robert. His, his name was the same as Robert E. Something, and uh, yeah, and I was like, you right know, there. I was like looking at, it and I and I put my thumb over his last name, and I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah that's you a glimpse into the exactly, future exactly yeah. i was like oh man we all got a date man yeah we do we have an expiration date also. well well even yeah. even earth even earth might have a date and we're gonna get into yeah. to that in space exactly. right now so yeah um let's talk about i want to know first off i know you've been looking at looking through telescopes and doing astronomy for a long time so how'd you how'd you make the the, the leap to wanting to buy a telescope and actually become a pretty much bona fide astronomer. 35 years ago, a buddy of mine uh, invited me to a talk at UCR um, about observing the night sky and telescopes. And I went and one of the features after the class sessions were done was uh, what they call a star party in which you go up to a dark sky site and you have guys up there with telescopes and you see what they're looking at and you ask questions and I caught the bug and that was oh, about 35 years ago and uh, I just slowly increased my sophistication, my equipment, uh, what I do. Uh, as the hobbies evolved over 30 years, it's unbelievable when we're doing things now that professional astronomers weren't able to do when I started the hobby. So it's, it's really amazing how technology has, has so, I mean, it, it, there's no real difference between you and a professional astronomer, right? Just the size of the uh, observatory and the telescopes mm -hmm. and the equipment. I mean, we're basically all looking at pretty much the same things. Um, yeah. You walk outside, you look up, you see stars. And we don't photograph stars. We photograph stars after they've gone through their death rows, talking about death, Robbie. Mm -hmm, and yeah. because stars, just like everything else, has a, a birth a midlife and a death and what we wait for the death of the star and we photograph what's left over. So as far as telescopes go, like there's mm -hmm. no, is it fair to say there's not really advancements in telescopes? It's just the bigger the lens, the more you see, or is there different things that they've added on to make your like experience more like efficient? Yeah. There's, well, you know, the equipment is varied. It really depends on what you want to photograph in the night sky. The stuff that we photograph is very large, but it's very, very faint. So you need a very fast telescope. So if you've ever seen a lens for a camera, uh, just a typical camera lens, it'll say F5.6 or F8 or F4. That's how fast the lens is. That means how sensitive it is to light. We want something that's fast, that, that will be able to gather a lot of light very quickly. It doesn't have to be big around. In fact, my fastest telescope's only four inches across. My largest one is about 14. It only just depends. The, the part that takes in the light is only 14 inches or four inches across? Exactly. The or telescope the itself. My camera screws onto the back of a four-inch refractor little telescope. It's very fast, has a very wide field of view, and I use it to, to photograph very large objects in the sky, nebulous specifically. Okay. Um, so what a question I wanted, to, a couple questions I have is why is everything, why are all the planets round? 
why is everything round? Like, I know it seems like a simple, stupid question, like from like a, like a child's question, but why is that's everything a, that's round? That's a great question. See, I, I would have never even thought of that. You're is right, it? dude. Yeah. Everything's round. Like, why is it round? Why is it uh, trapezoidal or something, you know? Well, that's a good question because because when everything started forming, if, if you think about the early days of the, of the universe that we live in, um, it was full of gas and dust and primarily hydrogen gas and helium gas and a lot of dust. Uh, from the Big Bang, and that started eventually because of gravity, they would start to come closer and closer together. So this big cloud of gas and dust would get a little bit closer, they get a little bit more gravity, get a little bit closer, a little higher gravity, and once the gravitational pull gets fast enough, it starts to spin. And anything that spins is going to achieve a circular shape, bulged uh. at the equator, and it's because of the physics of, of any spinning body. And everything in the sky spins and moves um, through the sky. And that's why everything, planets are round, stars are round. Um, right. Um, what about like, well, okay, so when an asteroid like goes through space, mm -hmm. now, what I don't even know if you know the answer to these questions. But I'm just going to ask them because they're just popping sure. in my head. Now, when an asteroid goes flies through space, <laughs> did, could it could it only go through our galaxy, or does it could it jump from like galaxy to galaxy or solar system to solar system? And why isn't it like why isn't it why doesn't it stop and suspend and 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 rotate? Okay, so is that, is that too much? No, no, not at all. Okay, so okay. think about the fact that if if you've all heard of the Andromeda Galaxy, right? No. no. Okay. <laughs> so you've heard of the Milky Way galaxy. That's our galaxy. Yeah. So yeah. we live inside the Milky Way galaxy, which is about a billion stars that are all held together by gravitational force. And, and so our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, contains a billion stars. One of those stars is the sun, which is our star. Mm -hmm. And it's not a very large star, actually. In fact, it's just a small, medium-sized, medium-hot star. But when it formed, it formed like I talked about a minute ago from a lot of gas and dust that started to coagulate, get closer together. Gravity started grabbing it, started spinning. And all the gas, as the gravity started making the, the most of the gas compressed into our star, got so compressed and so hot that it ignited. And it actually is a nuclear furnace. Our sun is that provides all the light and heat that we get in our solar system. So our solar system is a little body inside the Milky Way galaxy that contains our sun, and it contains the planets that rotate around our sun, right, right. all held in place by gravitational pull. Right. Some of the planets have moons like us. Jupiter has like 12 moons. So they all have moons. Now, if you, if you look at the inner planets, that's Mercury, Venus, Earth and Mars, they're all rocky planets. That's because all the rocky material coalesced near to the sun, but it didn't use up all of the rocks in our solar system. Uh -huh. So if you go past the gas giants, you'll find called the asteroid belt. The asteroid belt is all the leftover debris and rocks that weren't strong enough to get pulled and made into a planet. So they're rotating themselves around our sun, just like we are. Oh, and shit hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of these rocky bodies in the asteroid belt that, that circulate the sun just like the planets circulate the sun. So they won't leave our solar system. 
they well they could so everything is is governed by the gravity of the sun or jupiter like one of those large planets so every once in a while one of these rocky bodies strays a little bit from the asteroid belt the gravity of jupiter grabs onto it and flings it like a slingshot through our solar system that's got to go somewhere it could hit the moon that's why the moon has so many craters it could hit jupiter or it could hit Earth. In fact, that's what killed all the dinosaurs. One of those very large asteroids collided with the Earth in the Yucatan Peninsula, which wiped out 99% of all of the life on Earth. Jeez. And that was back what killed off all the dinosaurs. It can and probably will happen again. An asteroid of fairly good size will hit Earth by chance um, sometime in the future, we don't know. We've got telescopes and people that do nothing but monitor these asteroids to see where they are and where they're going. Well, we can't, we can't stop them. It's like we could stop them. No. I mean, could they shoot a nuclear missile up there or something? Yeah, or? you could if you could hit it, and then you'd end up with a hundred little asteroids instead of one big one. Yeah, I think, I think I've seen this movie. You just get a bunch of oil drillers and you get them up there and you put them on the yeah, there's a yeah. Well, I'm not sure if we can get oil. Armageddon, was that Armageddon? Is that Armageddon? But, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it always poses a risk, just like just like the big earthquake. We know it's going to happen. We don't know when, right? We can't stop it. Yeah, it's but that's going to happen. That's not as scary as an asteroid. <laughs> What's that? I, I don't mean to be doomsday or anything. Did you say sometime in the near future? Is that what you said? Well, it could be tomorrow, the, right? The, I mean, it could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be. 10, 20 years from now. But there will be another large earthquake in California along the San Andreas Fault. No, yeah, I'm talking about the asteroid hitting there. Oh, the asteroid hitting there. It could be a million years. It could be 100 years. But they watch them. They watch to see where they're going. Well, huh. that's, that's why Elon Musk is creating those uh, those rockets and trying to, trying to extend life to outer space. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, eventually Earth is going to fry under the, when our sun dies, it's going to fry Earth to a crispy critter. So hopefully they've got exit plans by then. Have you, have you, uh, someone brought the attention to me about a book by uh, someone called Katie Mack. Do you know who that is? No. I guess she's like a, some astrophysicist who, who has like five theories of the way the universe is going to end. I don't know. I haven't read it, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's something you want to check out. It's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you got any, got any space questions, Robbie? I see your head turning. I, hate, I see your wheels turning in there. Robbie, are you there? Oh, Robbie's frozen <laughs> out. <laughs> I lost him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we scared him to death. Maybe he's passed yeah, yeah. out on the floor. You, you told him uh, Earth I, was going to... I went too far. Yeah, yeah. He, maybe an asteroid <laughs> hit him already. Yeah, could be. Yeah, he'll, he'll come back on. But um, We lost you, Robbie. Did the asteroid get yeah, you, Rob? The asteroid get you? Dude, yeah, must talk about little, asteroids, dude. A little one hit you, knocked oh, you out. I know. <laughs> Sorry uh, about that, dude. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so okay, I got a, I got another, a couple more questions. I wanna, yeah. I, wanna I wanna get answered here. Um, are suns still being born? Yes. Or are they done being made? No, no, it's an ongoing process. So when. I told you that a star has a life cycle. Right. Uh, it, it, it springs to life. It, it, our star will last about 10 billion years or so. Um, and it'll eventually die. Now, a, the way a star dies depends on how big it is. If it's a huge star, it, it blows up in what we call a supernova. Mm -hmm. And a supernova 
um, will violently explode and blow all of the ingredients of the star into the, into the universe, dust, and gas, and everything else. Eventually, those will all coalesce and form a new star. So there are actually stellar nurseries in, in fact, if you look up the pillars of creation from the Hubble telescope, those are areas where new stars are being born called protostars. And there's baby stars there that are forming right now and will eventually be, be full grown stars. So yes, it's so, an ongoing process. So we're, go ahead, Rob. So going back to what the sun is, the sun yeah. is basically a star that caught fire. Is that so, a easy way to describe, describe it? Or is that so mean? what happens with any star is that it starts out as a cold ball of gas mm -hmm. and it gets compressed. And like any gas, if you compress a gas, it gets hot. Yes. The more you compress it, the hotter it gets. Mm -hmm. Eventually the gas gets so hot and all of the atoms inside the gas are pressed so close together that it actually causes a thermonuclear explosion called fusion, just like a hydrogen bomb. Okay. But, be, but there's so much pressure and heat inside the star that's an ongoing process. And that hydrogen gas, which is the most common gas in the universe, is constantly colliding with each other, forming helium. When that happens, a little bit of heat is released and a photon of light is released. The photon takes about a thousand years to reach the outside of the earth, a sun and is launched toward us as the light that we see that shines on our earth. And the heat is what heats up and keeps the star heated. Eventually that process will run out of hydrogen, then it burns helium, and then it keeps on going to iron. When it gets to that point, the star starts growing bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, becomes a red giant, will engulf the earth, will fry it to a crisp, and then it will collapse on itself and blow its gas out of the sky, kind of puff it away, our star will. And those form the nebulas that I photograph with my camera in my observatory. So it's going to be a dumb question. So the heat and the, and, the, and the light that we see is a thousand years old? Uh, no, the, from our sun, 93 million miles away, mm -hmm. it takes about uh, eight minutes for the light and heat to get to us from the sun. Okay. 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 The stuff that I photograph takes probably 10,000 years to get here. So when that when that explodes our whole solar system's done then, right? Done. Every planet. In, in in fact the 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 red giant that our star will become when it's dying will in, completely engulf the earth and will fry us to 1000 degrees will just be a black cinder when it's done. Now, how do you know it's not going to be a white dwarf? Instead, the sun will become a white dwarf. So what happens is that after they've gone through all those elements, they get to iron. The sun can't go any higher than iron. It takes too much energy. So at that point, the star starts to collapse. There's not enough pressure. So think about blowing up a balloon. There's two things to keep a balloon round. The pressure inside that you're blowing air into it and the pressure on the outside air forms this balloon shape. Well, eventually, the star will then have so much gravity and not enough inward pressure, it'll collapse in on itself and it will become a white dwarf. So our, right now we could probably fit 10,000 Earths inside the sun. Once that white dwarf occurs, it'll be about the size of Earth and will just shine in for another couple million years weekly um, as a white dwarf. Unlike a massive star that will explode in a supernova and completely destroy itself. So we can't survive either one. Neither one. Our star is not big enough to go supernova. 
our star will only slowly become a red giant and then it collapse to a white dwarf. That's about five billion years from now. So Robbie, no worries. I like these names. I like the names. Yeah. <laughs> Is that your nickname in high school? The white dwarf? <laughs> red giant. Red giant. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> so anyway, so so once a star does that and blows its outer gassy layers, the white dwarf is like a neon light. It excites the energy of that gas. It makes it glow in the sky. And those are the things that we photographed at our observatories. And is there's that, thousands of them. Is that what a pulsar is? No, a pulsar is a neutron star that's spinning about 100 times a second and is very energetic. And the, the pulses that it does when it spins it's shooting out x-rays, and we see those as pulses going hundreds of times a second. They're very energetic. They're very far away, um, and they're, they're very predictable. So we, we know a lot about them, but those are pulsars. Those are, you those are, are different types of stars. Knowledge. So. What'd you say? You are an encyclopedia of knowledge. <laughs> I mean, that's why I said he's he, yeah. he's a he's a professional astronomer. Like he, you know what I mean. So, so anyway, good. it's um. So <clears throat> I go up once a month to my observatory, and uh, we spend about twenty one hours imaging one object. Wow, that's a um. That's that's crazy. That's that's a. So think about it. So while we're while we're photographing it, so let me give you an example of what we do. So let's say you're in a photographic class, Pete, yeah. and your teacher says, Peter, I want you to go to a park. I want you to find a guy, this interesting looking, walking from your left to your right. I want you to take your phone and I want you, instead of taking a snapshot, I want you to hold the camera lens open for 10 minutes, but you're going to have to track the guy as he walks to make sure that the finished image, there's no wobble, there's no motion, there's no anything. And then I want you to do that all night long for eight hours and do that for three consecutive nights. That's what we do to get enough to make one single image of something in the night sky. It's not multiple pictures. It's just, is it one, is it a steady video? It's, it's about, no, it's, it's a still picture uh, about 10 to 15 minutes long. There is a hundred and I take about 125 of those over three nights. And then, then we take them under different filters and then we have software that stacks those to make a single picture. Dang, that sounds meticulous. It is. On top of that, the camera. So have you ever taken a, a, like a night picture with your phone and see it's all grainy looking? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's noise. And the reason is, is because there's little electrons flying around inside your camera and on the little, the little chip that's recording the photographic image. So if it's open for more than like a second, it becomes very grainy. So in order to keep that from happening with our special astronomy cameras that are open for 15 minutes at a time, the chip has a cooler on it that cools it to minus 30 degrees centigrade and keeps at that very cold temperature to slow all the electrons down so they don't create that random grainy noise in our image. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's so these cameras are only used for these purposes. They have no other use. Have you, uh, I, I read something that, let me see here. I think it's, uh, what, what nebula? Okay, there's a space cloud Sagittarius B12, I mean B2. I guess a gas 
cloud, a vast cloud of dust and gas in our galaxy. They said it's com composed of a uh, ethyl formate. Ethyl formate is that how you say it? But I guess that's the smell that gives rum like it's like it's aroma. So they said there could be a big gas cloud that smells like rum in our galaxy. <laughs> I'm wondering if that's one of those internet. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, but, fake news that's out there. I mean, there are gust, dust clouds and gas clouds out yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, I photograph them every month. But whether they smell like rum or not, uh, I have no idea. I guess they could, but you figure that most all of the gas in the universe is hydrogen. Um, and yeah. Um, yeah. No, so the nebula, what, what, what's the nebula made out of? What gases? Okay. So the nebula is formed after the death of a star. And if you were to, if, if you could get a spaceship and get close enough to see them with the naked eye, they, most all of them would look just red because they're basically hydrogen and hydrogen alpha, when it glows, it glows red. But, but that's kind of a boring looking thing. Uh -huh. So what we do is we photograph in three different filters. So three different ions of hydrogen alpha, oxygen three, and sulfur two. Those are ionized gases of sulfur, oxygen, and hydrogen. They make up the bulk of the nebulas that are out there. And we photograph those in those discrete filters, those wavelengths of light, so that we can make um, a false color picture out of the, out of the image that we get. So it's all red. It's, it's got various colors in it because of those ions. So um, it, it's a little confusing. But um, it, years ago, before we had color cameras and color film, the way you would make a color image is with a black and white camera. You would take a picture with a red filter and then a blue filter and then a green filter. Yeah. And you put those three together to make a, a, a true color image. Well, our cameras are black and white cameras with eight different filters in a wheel that the computer will revolve in front of the, uh, front of the sensor, depending upon if we want to do a true red, green, blue picture, or if you want to do it in what we call narrow band, which are those three, hydrogen, sulfur, and oxygen, and then combine those to make a false color image, which are much more pretty to look at. Um, is it, okay, like, uh, what components or elements is like, um, where, where, where are all the salt planets? Earth? So you got um, Earth, Mercury, Mercury, and is Uranus. Is Uranus a... Uranus is a gas giant. So, the, okay, so yes. you've got the rocky planets. Yeah, yeah okay. My, my, my question was on these rocky planets, because I read something about like one of these planets may contain like a tons of diamonds. Is that something like that possible, do you think? Like, sure. Just because of all the elements? Well, like I'll, a diamond I'll, planet? I'll, well, it wouldn't be a diamond planet, but it could contain... They already know that, that asteroids out there are rich in minerals. And those are formed inside the remember we talked about the supernova yeah they are so energetic when they explode that they form all the elements that we you i and everybody on earth and everything on earth is made out of so if you look at the the universe contains hydrogen gas and helium gas it doesn't contain gold it doesn't contain silver it doesn't contain lithium it doesn't contain copper it doesn't contain any of that stuff all of those heavier elements were formed out of supernovas that then form new stars and form planets. Um, is that how um, is that how gold came to Earth from outer um, space, or is that bullshit? Well, gold gold formed when the Earth formed. Gold formed deep in the core of the Earth, 
and then volcanic action and plate tectonics brought the gold up from underneath in the embedded deep in the earth up to the surface and that's how we get the gold today. You either have dig deep in the earth in the mines to get it or you could pan for it in the streams where the gold is brought to the surface through lava or through earthquakes and then slowly broke apart and ended up in streams by erosion and then you could pan for it and get it that way. So it's not but, like from an asteroid. No, but they believe that all the water on Earth came from asteroids. Hmm. And that that's how uh, asteroids and comets uh, colliding with Earth over millions of years when our Earth was being formed brought the water with it. And that's how the first seas formed. On So there was no natural water from this planet that formed. Um, and, and you need an atmosphere to hold the water in. So like Mars had water at one time. But when it lost its atmosphere, the solar wind from the sun just blew all the atmosphere and just boiled the water away. But we've got, but our water is protected by our atmosphere and stays put. Huh. So, so that water just evaporated. Yep. Let's see if that, if that if that water evaporates, it has to. Does it is it do the same like laws apply in space? I'm obviously not right as an Earth. Like it's well, not going to evaporate and then rain in space. No, you know what I mean? no, it just becomes a, it just becomes a gas and just floats off into the universe, and will maybe be captured later in another dust cloud and a gas cloud uh, that will form rocky asteroids and everything else capture the water, and that asteroid hits another planet and the water comes with it. And they believe that some of the early amino acids that formed life on, life on Earth came from asteroid collisions as well, brought some of those early ingredients necessary to form life on Earth. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. aliens? <laughs> well, I've never seen one, but never say never. I mean, there's a lot of, there, there's, uh, they say there's more stars out there than there are grains of sand on all the deserts and all the beaches in the entire <laughs> world. Wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, what's at the end of it? They, okay, I, we're not smart. The way I think of it is we're not smart enough to realize what is at the end of it. We don't have enough yeah. knowledge. We don't have enough brain power to conceive what could be at the end, right? Well, like what's, a, on, like what's on the edge of our expanding universe and is one foot further beyond the edge of the universe? Because the universe, if you envision... Wait, 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 wait. What'd you just say? Okay. So, <laughs> so we, we know there was a big bang, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And the big bang... What they had was what like one millionth of a second went from a tiny dot to huge. Right. But the universe is still expanding, still getting bigger. There is no center to our universe. It's kind of a hard concept. Yeah, think I can't even about, conceive. Okay, think about a, a little, a, a small balloon, four inches across. Right, right, right. Take a Sharpie and draw black dots all over the surface of that balloon. Now blow the balloon up so it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. There is no center to those dots. Every dot, if you stood on any dot on that balloon, every other dot's moving away from you, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's say you hop on a different dot and continue to blow up the balloon. Now everything is moving away from the dot you're standing on. Same with our universe. So it's expanding. Uh, but if it's expanding... What's on the other side of the expansion of the universe? So if you yeah. could get on something and travel to the edge of our universe and beyond where it's expanding and go a little further, what's, what's beyond the expansion of our universe? What is it? 
We don't know. I don't think we, if it's nothing, I don't think that we could conceive that it's nothing. Probably not. And, and the other big question is what is time? It was there, was there no concept of time until the universe began, which created time and time only moves in one direction, right? Yeah. So you, a cup can fall off a table and shatter, but you can wait a billion years and never see the cup leap back up on the table and put itself back together. Well, this, this is going to bring us to black holes. And every could, could galaxy... That, could that every, take you back in time? Every galaxy, they don't know. Every galaxy has a black hole. One black hole? Usually one black hole in every galaxy. Is our that, galaxy has a black hole. So the Earth has a black hole? No, our universe has oh, a okay. black hole. Our galaxy. So okay. the Milky Way galaxy, which comprises a billion suns like our, like our sun, has at the center of it, and they know right where it is, it contains a black hole. Oh, they know where it's at. Now, now, if you think about our galaxy that has a billion stars, there's a billion other galaxies in the universe, and each of those has a billion stars. Wow. Bro, you and they're gotta, also expanding you, away from each other. Yeah, you, got, you Rob, you got a planet of hot-looking aliens somewhere for you. <laughs> Asian aliens. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Could now, be. is a black hole, does it, is it eating, eating our galaxy alive? So a black hole is a area that is so dense because of its extremely high gravity that it grabs hold of everything. So we have gravity on Even Earth. light, even light, even right? Light, light can't even escape. Light it. cannot escape. So wow. the only way we know a black hole exists is because if you look at the drain in a bathtub and watch the water drain out of a bathtub or in a sink, as it gets toward the bottom, it starts to swirl around yeah. the drain before it goes down. Yeah. So a black hole has what they call the event horizon, which is a swirling. That was a massive. great movie. Did you see that yeah. movie? No. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a event space, horizon. It's a it's a great horror space movie. It has like a uh, it has like a live core in it, and like there's it's I don't know. You, you have to watch it. It's, it's I'll watch a, it. It's crazy. So, so the only way we know about a black hole exists is because we can't see the black hole because you can't see nothing because it's just light can't come out of it. Yeah. But And the event horizon where the gas is swirling, it's so hot, it's shooting off x-rays and we can, we can visualize that. Once something gets sucked into the black hole, it disappears forever. Where's it's it going? It goes into the black hole and it gets just... So if you, if you were pulled into a black hole, Pete, the gravity at your feet would be stronger than the gravity at your head, and it would stretch you out like a noodle. Oh. And keep stretching oh. you and stretching you and stretching until you were only atoms thick as you're sucked into this black hole. The gravity is so strong. So it would destroy whatever goes in there. Everything well, right? goes in is destroyed back to its elemental elements. Have we ever tried to set, set like, send something there and see you what can't happens because it's too far away it, it take it take you half a billion years to get there wow. try with the speed of light which we cannot do because uh, see i always thought the black hole like had another side but what you're saying is when something goes in it it just yeah, evaporates it into to atoms or whatever it's torn its natural shreds, state is. right now there's been there's That's been thought that there's wormholes <laughs> that connect like like areas of space oh there's wormholes so if you go into a wormhole they exist Oh, they do. We, I thought that was the, bullshit. Theoretically, they exist, but they've never been able to observe one. They think they maybe pop in and pop out of existence very quickly. But theoretically, you could enter a wormhole and pop out someplace else. 
almost instantaneously. Like in, in time? Like in somewhere else in time? Right, and, and distance. Do you think it's possible we could go back, like the Bermuda and, Triangle. Go back in time? The Bermuda Triangle. Uh, no, you, you can't go back in time. Even um, through like a wormhole or something crazy like well, that? Well, of course, we don't know because, you know. Because what's happened has already happened, right? It doesn't but think about what I photograph. If I photograph the Pelican Nebula and it's 6,000 light years away, I'm seeing that nebula as it looked 6,000 years ago. I'm back in time looking at it. Oh, I yeah. know what it looks like 6,000 years ago. Right. I don't know what it looks like today because today's light will take another 6,000 years to reach Earth. Jesus Christ, man. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting hobby because you're looking back in time. You're looking at very, very faint, distant objects. Uh, and they're very pretty. Once It's like a form of art once you're done with them. So it's uh, cool. So, someone asked uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson um, about why is space dark and how come there's no light like in space or anything. Right. And he right. said that it was kind of cool. Like it made sense to me. He said that uh, like if you shine like a, like a laser pointer through space, mm -hmm. you won't see it. Right. Uh, like, oh my bad. Like if you do that, like in a room and there's nothing to reflect it, you won't see it. But like, if you hit like two, like a uh, racers full of chalk together and like a cloud of dust forms, you'll end up seeing that light through it. And You're in space, right. there's nothing else to reflect it. So that's there, why it's, it's dark and there's right. nothing. There's, it's kind of cool. There's so much distance between each individual molecule in space. There's nothing for that light to bounce off of unless it goes through a cloud of gas or dust. And that's part of the problem why they put the Hubble, uh, the Hubble Space Telescope up above Earth because our atmosphere distorts the light coming through it. So we don't get a real sharp, detailed picture of what's in the sky and the universe far away. So when you put a space telescope up, there's no molecules of air that the light's bouncing off of. So you get a much cleaner, better picture. Right. Huh. Just mind blown, huh? It is. Rob, Rob you're sitting yeah. there like thinking your life's pointless. <laughs> it is, dude. We're all... <clears throat> I don't care about Rob's going to be ash, dude. Yeah, eventually. Be ash. Well, you won't have to worry about it, Robbie. It'll be long after your turn to dust. <laughs> unless, that, unless, right. that, unless that asteroid comes in. Unless yeah, that asteroid right. hits your ass. It might be aimed at you. Who knows? <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, it is possible. Man, I'm going to be thinking hey, a lot David, of how does your brain absorb all this information? I don't even think my brain's capable of doing that. <laughs> It's because I do it over and over again for the last 35 years, and you learn a little here, a little there. Uh, you have buddies that are out there that are doing it that teach you things that you didn't think about doing. Um, when I go out to Anza, which is outside of Temecula, which is a fairly dark site where my observatory is located, uh, our, our Orange County Astronomers has 20 acres out there with a bunch of observatories. So the guys all have a common hobby. It's kind of a guy's uh, time away. And, and we just talk shop about this kind of stuff. And, and you learn things that you didn't know. And, and eventually it, it, you tell somebody else's sticks. It's like, I don't know shit about what you do. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, you're smart too. You're just smarter on a different subjects. You can probably you can probably learn what I took what took me two years and probably two days. So. I don't I don't <laughs> think so. But uh, next time we'll talk about Pfizer and COVID nineteen and vaccines. And, yes, yes, yes. And a simpler answer, Robbie, is uh, you're a fucking moron, and so am I. <laughs> and he's not. Exactly. And no, he's no, not. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. We just have different different areas of expertise, guys. Uh, you're all smart in your own way. All right, man. Well, that's and it take for care today. Of those 
take care of those two daughters. Yeah. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks. All right. I'll talk to you soon, right. man. It's been Robbie, fun. Good talking to you. Good talking to you, Dave. I appreciate right. it. Bye. All right, guys. Bye.